Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Let's jump into the last week of our Philippians series. It's called Joyful, and man, we want to fill our lives with the joy of the Lord. It's, it's, it's our strength. It's what keeps us going, and I really believe that joyful people are, are world changers. They're the people that make the most difference in the world because they're the people that everybody else wants to be around. They're the people that other people want to be like, right? People that are full of joy, and we know that our joy comes from the Lord, and so we've got really specific during this series. In the past three weeks, we've talked about finding our joy in community. We've talked about finding our joy in serving. And then last week, we talked about finding our joy in knowing Jesus. And so if you've missed any of these installments, you can jump on the app or you can jump online and catch up. And, and, and it would be good for you to do that. But today, we're, we're, we're taking it a step further where the rubber hits the road in our life. And we're talking about how joy is lived out as we trust Jesus, as we trust Jesus. Now, certain things test our trust more than others, right? Some of you are very trusting people. You trust everybody and everything, maybe even verging on naivety. Some of you never trust anyone or anything, right? You're the ones that, that want to put your kids in one of those bubbles and send them out into the world, right? Have you ever played bubble soccer? Have you ever seen anybody play bubble soccer? You know, so you get the picture, you know, just, you don't trust anything, so you want everything to be protected all the time. And so there's definitely extremes. But we trust certain things more than others. Uh, some of my friends that are here today, <clears throat> just the other day, they went down to Red River Gorge and went rappelling. And so, man, you're trusting that rope as you back off that, that, that edge. And, and for some of you, it's really hard to watch because it's a trust issue. It's like, is that rope really going to hold them? Man, every time you step on a plane, you're trusting those engines, you're trusting that pilot, or you're not trusting and you're falling apart inside, right? Every time you go to a restaurant, you're trusting the kitchen staff. Some restaurants, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I should be trusting them. Yesterday, I was in the backyard doing something I hadn't done in a long time. You see, back when I lived in Illinois, I, I, we had a lot of trees on our property that had to be taken care of. And so I chopped down more trees during that time at that house than I ever had in my life. Uh, but even though now there's still a lot of trees on our, on our, in our, on our yard, I just... I haven't cut down many trees lately. And so I'm back in the backyard and I'm like, okay, today's the day. It's beautiful. I'm going to get some exercise. I'm going to cut down this dead tree. I'm going to chop some wood. Uh, it's going to be a manly day, right? And so I cut down the tree and, and, and of course it falls over this ravine. And so I'm down in the creek, like trying to, trying to cut it up and then move these logs to a place where I can cut them into smaller chunks. And, and, and as I'm walking around in this creek and up and down this ravine, you know what I noticed? That I can't trust my muscles like I used to, right? I fell down one time, thankfully not with the chainsaw, you know, come, come on somebody. And, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I used to trust in, in my youth and in my strength and in my, my ability to do certain things. And, and all yesterday showed me is that I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit out of shape when it comes to doing chainsaw work and, and that I can't trust my body quite like I used to, right? 
But sometimes we just get into this general distrust of life. And it's like we've been burned so many times. We've, we've had some, some bad experiences at work or in relationships or in family. And, and some of you, man, that's hot on your mind because you just came from a Thanksgiving gathering. And, and there's, just, there's just some distrust. There's some distrust. And bottom line, our trust just gets shaken from time to time because things we took for granted have bitten us. But in this last chapter of Philippians, man, we see this theme of trust all throughout. And so we're gonna get some really practical guidance from scripture today about how specifically we need to trust Jesus. And all four of the things that we're gonna talk about today are common to each and every person in this room. We've all been through them, and we all need to trust Jesus more in them. And so let's dig in. Number one, we learn in Philippians that we need to trust Jesus through disagreements. Disagreements. And this is more than just should we have apple pie or pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving Day, right? No, no, bigger disagreements in life. Let's look, verse one through three. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive from my work. Now I appeal to Yodia and Sintichi, please be, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Please, he's begging them, right? And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are are written in the book of life. So what do we see here? We see Paul once again telling them to stand firm in their faith. He's once again saying that they're friends. And so this is happening in the context of community and and family and, and the family of God. We see a disagreement, right? We see him imploring to them, because you belong to Jesus, settle the disagreement. And then we see that these aren't just two random ladies. These are ladies that were partners with him in the work of the gospel. He implores the church to come around them and to help solve this thing because disagreements can tear families and and even spiritual families apart. And so we see that standing firm in the Lord Proceeds relating well in the family of God, right? It says, stay true to the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. And then he said, and by the way, let's settle this disagreement. And so the first thing we see is before I go to settle a disagreement, before I deal with the disagreements in my life, what do I first need to do? I need to stand firm in the promises of God. I need to know who I am in Jesus. Before I can love you well, I need to love him well. Have you ever heard that it's really hard to, to, to keep hard feelings towards somebody that you're praying for? It's really hard when you, know, when you have your devotions in the morning to leave those devotions with, with a bitter heart. It's difficult. You can do it, but you're doing it on purpose. And, and you know, it, it, it's difficult to do. Because when you get close to Jesus, and when you stand firm in his word, your heart just gets softer. And so I need to make a pre-decision about how I will treat people in the light of my relationship with Christ, right? 
Now, why did Paul bring up these two ladies? You know, can you imagine being, being two people that got called out in God's word because they just couldn't get along, <laughs> right? Can you imagine that your names being written down in the annals of history all because you couldn't get along? Now, we know throughout all the epistles, epistles the letters that Paul wrote, that when he need to, needed to address something major, he did if it was false teaching or, or, or something that people really needed to not do. But do you notice here that he doesn't even mention why the conflict was taking place? He didn't even say, hey, let me give you the answer to this disagreement between these two ladies. He didn't do that. Why? Because it probably wasn't that big of a deal. If it would have been a case of one of them thinks that Jesus is Lord and the other one thinks that Jesus is just a man, something foundational to the faith, he probably would have said, hey, ladies, listen up. Jesus is really God. He's really Lord. He's, he's divine. He's, he's really God. But he didn't. He said, settle it. Settle your disagreement. You see, these two ladies had taken a small matter and they had made it a big matter to the point that it was affecting the whole church. This is why Paul had to call them out and say, hey, girls, let's get along. And hey, church people, let's come around them and help make this happen. We see him say, my true partner, hey, help them work this out. So we don't know if my true partner was a certain person in the church, if he was just talking to the whole church as a whole, but he infers accountability, a third party that, that they just got whatever, what, by whatever means necessary, they need to work out this disagreement. Let me just tell you, there is no healer of disagreements and of relational strife and of uh, just relational junk in our life like our common bond in Jesus. Like our common bond in Jesus. What did Paul say? He said, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Can I just say, we hold on to stuff way longer than we should. These disagreements, these, these little bitterness battles, these, you know, he said, she said, these, these, these little offenses that we carry, we hold on. But Paul is saying, listen, because you belong to Jesus, settle it. Just right to the point, settle it. Settle it. In the family of God, because of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, disagreements don't have to end in the destruction of relationships. They just don't. Why? Because Jesus is truth. Because Jesus is stability. Because Jesus is health. Because Jesus is healing. Because Jesus is love. Because Jesus is forgiveness. He's all the things that just make relationships better. Right? He sacrificed. He laid down his life for us on the cross. And so when we let him and his word be our common bond, we have ground to stand on together. And people with which you once had a horrible disagreement that kept you apart, 
because of the Lord and because of your relationship with him, you can once again link arms with them in the body of Christ and settle your disagreement and settle it. I love how he ends this, this, this challenge. What does he say? He said, they worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Where will everyone be someday whose names are written in the book of life? In heaven. The Bible's very clear that when your name is written in the book of life, you're gonna spend eternity with Jesus. So what does this mean? What is Paul saying? He's saying, hey, listen, you're gonna spend eternity together. You might as well get over it now. What a great perspective to take into disagreements. What a great perspective to take into your relationships. When you look at somebody in the eye and you remember, I'm gonna be in heaven with you. (laughs) Right? If we're both Christ followers, if we both love Jesus, but we can't get along about, about the style of the music or, or, or that, that look you gave me or whatever it might be, we gotta remember, we're going to be in heaven together forever. Get along, get along, love that. We will be in heaven together for eternity. We might as well start getting along now. And so the first rubber hitting the road area in which we trust Jesus with our whole life is in settling our disagreements. Number two, I trust Jesus through anxiety. More so than almost than any time in my life for sure, man, anxiety is, um, it's a hot topic. People talk about it all the time. People deal with it all the time. I don't know if it's one of those things that just because it's, there's more awareness, I don't know if anxiety is actually heightened. I don't know. And, and honestly, does it really matter? All we know is that people are anxious. They're at their wit's end. They don't know how to deal. They don't know how to cope. And we are just struggling as a nation, as a world. Who knows why? We could argue all day long about it. Is it the phones? Is it, what is it, social media? Who knows? But like many other things in our lives, when we read God's word, it challenges us to the core of things that we struggle with. And God's word is really clear that, clear that we need to trust Jesus through our anxiety. Verse four, listen. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Man, we could just stop right there. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Hence, joyful in our series, right? Be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, everybody underline that word. It's a big word. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love these pictures. I love the challenge. There's so much good here. So what do we need to do? First, we need to be full of joy. It's a choice. 
It's not a feeling that we wake up in the morning and we choose joy. You know, it takes grit. It takes endurance that I am not going to let my feelings run me. I'm going to choose joy. The second thing that we see, it's really clear. We need to be considerate. When you are considerate, your eyes are on others and they're off of yourself. You're focusing on others' needs before you focus on your own. The third thing that we see is that our eyes are on eternity because Jesus is coming soon. Man, he just puts it into perspective right in the very first part of this section. I'm going to be full of the joy of the Lord. I'm going to be considerate and my eyes are going to be on eternity. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to focus on others. I'm going to be eternally focused. These three things create the soil in your life where anxiety has trouble growing and taking root. Man, you got to get this in your heart. When I'm full of the joy of the Lord, when I'm considerate and thinking about others, and when my eyes are on eternity, anxiety can't grow in my life as well as it does when I don't. Come on, somebody. Next, he gets specific. Don't worry, but pray. Don't worry, but pray. And so I don't just try not to worry. I do something else. Have you ever just tried not to think about something? And what do you think about? You just think about that thing. And so instead of trying not to think about that thing, you need to purposefully think about something else. And it's the same with your worry. Don't just try not to worry. Pray instead. Engage in a different activity. And then it says we need to have hearts full of thanksgiving. We need to have a mouth full of thanksgiving. We need to tell God what we need and thank him for all he has done. I love that. I know that on Thursday, my belly was full of turkey. Right? And what's the result of that? See, see, when my belly's full of turkey... You know, years ago, we heard about that tryptophan. Anybody know what tryptophan is? It's, a, it's that thing in Turkey that after you eat a lot of it, it just makes you want to sleep, right? And so we see there's this, this equation here. The more turkey I eat, the more tryptophan I have, and the more that I want to sleep. Come on. Anybody take a nap after Thanksgiving dinner? Let's see. Let's see some hands. Who, who took the tryptophan nap? Come on. Right? That's a good nap. That's good sleep right there. And the same is true in your life. When you have a heart full of thanks, so belly full of turkey, heart full of thanks, there is a natural reaction and there's a natural result. When your heart is full of thanksgiving, you're going to be guarded with peace. You're going to be free to live the life that God wants you to live. Then... After you're thankful, after you're full of joy, after you're considerate, after your eyes are on eternity, after you're praying instead of worrying, and after your heart and your mouth is full of thanks, then the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. This is specifically how we trust Jesus through anxiety. I love the quote by Andy Andrews, and and you've heard me say it before if you've been around a while, and I'll say it again. It's really, really difficult for the seeds of depression to grow in a thankful heart. It's difficult. It's difficult. Number three, the third way that we trust Jesus is we trust Jesus by directing my thoughts. 
I trust Jesus by directing my thoughts. Verse eight and nine, let's read it together. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. You know, Paul, we, we know that Paul's a preacher when he says, and one final thing, and then there's like, you know, 20 more verses. And <laughs> it's like, you know, he's just getting warmed up, right? And one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. So we have another statement that says, do this and then the peace of God will be with you. So let's break these verses down. Listen, contrary to popular belief, you can control your thoughts. You can. Scripture is very clear. You can control your thoughts. There's two types of thoughts. Let's break this down. There's passive thoughts. These are thoughts that just come in, and you're like, where did that come from? Now, we know because the Bible is very clear that everything that comes out came from a heart, right? Came from a heart, came from inside. But we have these passive thoughts that come in, and then we have intentional thoughts, thoughts that are chosen. And so either way, if it comes, you know, when you were talking about our passive thoughts and when we come with our, when we talk about our intentional thoughts, you need a control tower, you need a, a thought traffic control tower, just like they have the air traffic control towers. You need a thought traffic control tower, and you're intentionally choosing which thoughts need get to land on the runway and get to taxi to the loading bridge and then get off into your life. Come on, somebody. We need to think about it like this, that man, just because I have a fleeting thought, just because I have a thought passing through the atmosphere does not mean that thought gets to land, doesn't mean it gets to make its home in my front yard, doesn't mean it gets to walk through the airport of my life. No, I have control. I have control. And I'm responsible. In the same way that an airport air traffic control person is responsible for who lands and who doesn't, for controlling the traffic in the airways above that space, you are responsible for taking captive every thought and submitting it to Jesus Christ. Listen, nothing good landed on your Thanksgiving table by passivity, nothing. It took planning, it took intentional effort, it took choices that were made, and it was only amazing like it was, and I don't know about yours, but mine was amazing, and the even better part is I didn't have to host, I just, I showed up, I, 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 we brought some rolls and some, uh, what else did we bring, I don't remember, stuffing, we did, we brought stuffing, rolls and stuffing, and everything else was, was awesome, incredible, but it didn't, ha it just happened, Somebody put in long hours, intentionality, care, and they put good stuff on the table. On the other hand, when your thoughts are passive, when your thoughts are passive, your sinful nature is in charge, and it's a downward spiral. And when you're not thankful, and when you don't fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely, then 
you end up with not so good things on the table, right? You know, when, when you think about the right things, then, then you have this amazing heart of thankfulness and all, this, all these beautiful things on the table that you're focused on. When you just let the passive thoughts come in, what, what ends up on your Thanksgiving table? Twinkies and Kraft mac and cheese and ramen and, and all the junk food. <laughs> Some of you kids are like, that would be awesome. I'd rather eat that on Thanksgiving Day. I saw, I saw the meme you know, that was going around that was like, you know, um, you're gonna spend 12 hours in the kitchen and all your kids are gonna eat is the roll. Did anybody see that? And it's like, um, yeah, but we all know that the good stuff is just better. And sometimes we need to train our taste buds and we need to train our thought life to, to want the right things. And that's why scripture gives us such clear direction. And it says, fix your thoughts on the good stuff. Fix your thoughts on what's excellent and worthy of praise. Then the peace of God will be with you. Number four, let's bring this plane in for a landing today. Number four, as we close, I trust Jesus by living under his covering of blessing. Man, this one is huge. Let's unpack it. Verse 10 through 23. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Remember, Paul is in prison in Rome under house arrest. It's very likely that he's chained to a prison guard in a house that he has to pay rent for. <laughs> what kind of deal is that? But that, that, that is very possibly the situation. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me, gives me strength. Now, some of you have heard that verse in Philippians, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But maybe you didn't know until now the context in which that verse was penned. Let's keep going. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. What a great attitude to have when you're in prison, right? I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each one, each of God's holy people, who, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
Now, if you've been here the last four weeks, you just read a whole book of the Bible. Let's give yourself a hand. It's awesome. Just think, four short chapters and how much God has been speaking to your life over these last four weeks. Just think when you keep digging in for yourself and you keep reading book after book after book. So I just, that's just my little side trail, rabbit trail for a moment. But keep reading God's word. Changes your life. Let's unpack this passage. You know, we see from the very top of this passage that they're concerned about Paul, right? They've always been concerned about him, but they didn't have the chance to help him. Listen, we're here as the church to help each other. We're here to be concerned about each other, which is a beautiful thing, right? We do what we can to help each other, but ultimately, God is our covering and our strength. Paul acknowledges that, you know, at this time, they, they didn't have the chance to help him. Why? They're separated by a lot of distance. It, it, it was just hard. They, you know, there was no Amazon Prime then. We would just send stuff overnight. And so, and this is really important for us to understand because we are here to help each other. But one thing that I've seen as a pastor over the years is that I've seen people get better They've gotten bitter because, man, they showed up to church and they, they're with church people and, and in their time of need, they felt like people didn't show up for them. And guess what? I've been there too. I've had the feelings in my life at times where I'm like, where is everybody? Do they not see what's going on in my life and don't they see the kind of need that I'm in? And, and does anybody even notice how hard I work and what I do? And wah, 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 wah. Right? We've all been there. And if anybody had the right to play that card, it was probably Paul, who had given up his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, who had traveled to all these different places, and all it did was end him in, end him up in prison. And eventually, as a martyr, giving his life for the faith. And so, what we see through this amazing passage of him talking about contentment, is that while the body of Christ does provide an amazing support system, ultimately, ultimately, through the ups and downs that life sends your way, you can handle whatever comes, not through your own strength, not just through the support of other people, which is sometimes just amazing, but by the power of Christ in your life. By the power of Christ in your life. How does this work? How do I stay under the covering of God's blessing? How do I find this contentment in all circumstances? How do I figure out a way that I can say that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? No matter if I'm in an up time in my life or if I'm in the lowest low. How do I do that? A couple things that we will learn through this passage. The first thing that we need to do is like Paul, we need to be about our father's business. You need to be about his business and his mission. We need to be on mission. This one has nothing to do with finances. It has nothing to do with that. But when you're on his mission, you have his protection. 
When you are doing God's work, he's always looking out for you. It's just how God is. He's not going to abandon his own. You may feel like everybody else in the whole world has abandoned you and doesn't understand what you're going through. But when you're about God's work and you're on mission with Christ, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That is his promise and it is good until the very end. Come on, somebody. Right? The context of this whole entire book that Paul is writing is that he is on mission for God. He was out spreading the gospel, building the church, discipling believers, and he was all about the glorification of Christ. When your life is about those things, when you're a disciple who makes disciples and and your life has purpose, then Jesus will always be all that you need doesn't mean it's easy there's a learning process but Jesus will always be enough in your life the second thing that we see is that we need to value what what God has given us more than what he hasn't come on just straight up I got to value what I have in Christ more than what I don't Sometimes it's easy to get off focus seeing what others have that you don't. Comparing your house to theirs, your car, your clothes, the the latest Apple whatever, all the stuff of this life. It's easy to get off track. Well, they took that vacation and and I, I didn't get to go anywhere. You know, these are real thoughts that we have, isn't it? it? I work just as hard and they, it's like, no, just stop. Stop. Value what God has given you more than what he hasn't. That's the secret. Paul combated this kind of thinking in his life by learning to be content in every situation. He was on house arrest, like I said, chained to a a Roman guard. And the only way that he could make it through it was to value what he had more than what he didn't have. He had an eternal mindset. He was more in love with his mission than his possessions or his comfort. He was seeing blessings everywhere by being intentional with his thoughts, by thanking the church in Philippi for what they had done when he was with them. He chose to focus on the good things rather than the things that he could see as negative. He was faithful on his mission. He was content with God's blessings. He was both a contributor and a beneficiary of generous churches. Listen, when you are on mission, when you are generous with everything that God has given you, God not only supplies our physical needs, but our emotional needs as well, which is contentment. Man, there should be so much here that challenges you. That if you want to be content... You also need to be generous. That if you want to be content, you need to be on mission. That if you want to be content, you're placing value on what Christ has placed in your life. That whatever blessings, that whatever good that God has put in your life, you're staying under that umbrella and being thankful for it. Amen? Amen. Let's recap the day so we can get you home to watch some football. Number one, I trust Jesus through disagreements. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to make amends. I'm going to have the hard conversation. 
and I'm just going to fix it. I'm going to do my part, whatever I can do, to lay that at the feet of Jesus. Number two, I'm going to trust Jesus through my anxiety. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust Jesus by directing my thoughts because I'm responsible and I have control. No matter how hard it gets, I'm going to do my best. And lastly, I'm going to trust Jesus by living under his covering of blessing. And whatever Jesus has given me, I'm going to be thankful. And I'm going to be generous with whatever I have in my hands. Amen? And when I do these things, when I trust God will always have me in his hand. He'll supply my every need according to his riches in glory. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.